And welcome to Oh God, Ramian, the show whose host has never read How to Make Friends and Influence People. <laughs> this is your host, Brum French. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at 210-854-8029, or you can reach me at bromfrench at mail.com. That's B-R-A-H-M-F-R-E-N-C-H at mail. Dot com. You know, uh, it has dawned on me just uh, in recent days something that has swept across the nation. It swept across the nation a long time ago, but it's now made its way sweeping into the church. And it reminded me of several years ago when my kids were smaller. Now my kids are older, especially my daughters, and those are the ones that really stick out in my mind, especially my middle one, Brianna. Several years ago, and I'm talking she was, you know, seven, eight years old, something like that. Now she's 16. I would have to sit down with her every now and then because she would be upset about something. And I would tell her, I would say something like, and, and this goes actually for all of the kids, I would sit down and tell them the world does not revolve around you. And I did everything I could to make this clear that we were not going to let her think that she was the center of the universe. Now, I expect that kind of mentality in the world because they're in the world. It makes sense. They're not living for God. They have no moral compass, no center of their universe. And so then you automatically assume that you are the center of the universe. It is expected for people that don't know Jesus to live and think and operate like this. However, what I am seeing today is something totally different. Not the world thinking like that, but now seeing that view, that mentality sweep in to our churches, sweep in right among us, where now we think, those of us in church, that the world revolves around us. How, want some examples? Great, I'd love to give you some. One of the examples is, for instance, having conversations with people and their response is, you really hurt me. You made me feel bad. Or, I can't believe you would do this to me. Everything revolves and circles around us. Get this. We won't see revival as long as this is the case. We will not see moves of God as long as everything revolves around us. As a matter of fact, the greatest revivals that we ever saw and we ever will see are the revivals and will be the revivals where we are centered on Jesus as the central point and then everything revolving around him and others. That's right, folks. If you're going to see a move of God, you've got to have a burden for somebody else. If you've been hurt, big whoop, get over it. If you hang up on it, you're never going to see a move of God that God wants to give you or how he wants to move in your life, and your ministry will never grow. It's the same case on a job. If you want to get promoted on your job, you've got to focus on others. And as you focus on others, others will focus on you and you will be elevated. It's a crazy concept, I understand. But you can't help but recognize this is exactly what happened with John the Baptist. 
This is exactly what happened with Jesus. That explains why he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And we, we look at that and we talk about, oh, it's praise and worship. If we praise and worship Jesus, he'll draw all men unto him. That's not what he was talking about. Go back and read it. That's taking it out of context. He was talking about the crucifixion. Now, the next question is, why was he crucified? He was crucified huh, to carry the weight of your sin and mine. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So that you and I can be forgiven for our sins, he was crucified. This is crazy. Narcissism did not exist in Jesus. But he willingly, the Bible says, that we didn't take his life, he gave it. He willingly laid it down, the total opposite of narcissism. In my estimation, the pastors that allow their churches to think that the world revolves around them. The pastors and ministers that believe the world revolves around them or allow the people in the church to think that the world revolves around them individually or as a group, as a church, are so misguided and unfortunately will not see a genuine move of God. Listen carefully. You can have a big crowd and not have a move of God. You can even have, those of you who know me, you know I come from an apostolic Pentecostal background. You can have great preaching. You can have people dancing and shouting and not have a move of God. You can have all of that and it still be narcissistic. It's got to be about Jesus. It reminds me several years ago, we were invited to a homecoming for a church here in San Antonio, and San Antonio is not the churches we've associated with, fellowship with, didn't really have homecomings, but one particular church lost a bunch of people that had homecoming, and they're now on TV, and we were invited to go, and we sat and looked around and saw the cameras that were everywhere, and we, I sat and watched as one particular lady walked down the one aisle, and I mean, she just walked as casually as all get out. And as soon as she got in front of the camera, my Lord, she started dancing and hooping and hollering <laughs> at the time. And still you can tell, I think this is crazy. It's, it's funny. But it's nothing but narcissism. Look at me. Look at me. Isn't it time we look to Jesus? Isn't it time we take his approach and look at others and pray for them? Pray that God will bless them. Thank you so much. Let me take a break. And when I come back, we'll go through the Bible in a trillion years. Hold on just a second. Will someone shut that man up? Never! Never! But the work will go on. You can silence the voices, but you can't stop the song. When the spirit's moving, his will will be. And we are back. And we're about to go through the Bible in a trillion years. We are in Genesis chapter 31, picking up at verse number 14. The Bible says this, And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not counted of him strangers? For he hath sold us and hath quite devoured also our money. For all the riches which God hath taken from our father, that is ours and our children's. Now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. Then Jacob rose up 
and set his sons and his wives upon the camels, and he carried away all his cattle and all his goods which he had gotten for the cattle of his getting, which he had gotten in Padanarabah, <laughs> for to go to Isaac his father in the land of Canaan. Now remember that Isaac, or excuse me, Jacob has gotten his wives together. He is talking. He is already. He's trying to get across. We need to leave. This is what's going on. Remember, your dad Laban has stolen. He has lied to me. He's deceived me ten times. What you sow, you will reap. Even after, get this. Even after you've been converted. Even after you've had a God moment, if you will, you've had your own experience with God, with Jesus, you still will reap what you have sown. So to to think that then because you're a new creature, you're not going to reap is hogwash. You'll still reap what you have sown. As a matter of fact, the difference is then you ought to recognize it and embrace it instead of whining and crying and complaining and being narcissistic about it. That's another subject. <laughs> Rachel and Leah, verse number 14, he's now told them, look, we've got to move on. We've got to go. And Rachel and Leah, the daughters of Laban, have answered and said, that is there any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? In other words, where we came from has no bearing on where we are now. If some of us would get this understanding that now they recognize in a marriage, that's always supposed to be the case, isn't it? You're supposed to leave your father and mother, cleave to your wife. Your wife is supposed to forget about her parents, paraphrasing. She's, she's supposed to cling to you. You two become one flesh. We, we, we get that. Rachel and Leah are now saying to Jacob, we are clinging to you and get this. Our father's house has no inheritance for us. And when you are married to Christ and you are a bride of Christ, you need to recognize your old father, the devil. <laughs> old hell itself, the world has no inheritance for you. You won't find it in this world. You're going to find it with your husband, Jesus Christ. He goes on and says, are we not counted of him strangers? doesn't even know who we are anymore. And hath he sold us and hath quite devoured also our money. He has spent our inheritance. So if you thought that the world was going to give you the inheritance, think again. What you expected to get from the world, you will not get. That explains a lot of people, doesn't it? They think when they get a hold of whatever the world holds out in front of them like the carrot in front of the horse, then I'll be happy. And they get it, and they find they're just as hungry, just as tired, and just as miserable. That's why it's important that we walk with Jesus, our husband. And when he says it's time to go, <laughs> we say, even so, quickly come, Lord Jesus, and we're out of here. Verse number 16, For all the riches which God hath taken from our Father, that is ours and our children's. Now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. You are the one. You're the master. We're going to go with you. We're going to follow you. It's important we continue to say, we take the lesson from these two brides, these two sisters, and say, Lord, that's my response to you. When you tell me it's time to leave, I'm ready to go. This world has nothing to hold me back for. Verse number 17 Bible says, then Jacob rose up and set his sons and his wives 
upon camels. He said, all right, that's it. We are out of here. And he carried away all his cattle and all his goods, which he had gotten, the cattle of his getting, which he had gotten in that one unpronounceable place for to go to Isaac, his father, in the land of Canaan. And so he says, all right, now we're going back to my father. We're going back home. This is, isn't that basically, without sounding too, too uh, anti-scriptural, Jesus came to take us, the man Jesus came to take us to the spirit the Father. That's what Calvary was about, and that's why I'm willing to follow him. Thank you so much for listening. Tomorrow, we're going to start talking about Rachel and what she stole, the images from her dad, and uh, that's coming up. Thank you so much for listening. I am running out of time, so ladies and gentlemen, we shall talk to you later. Never! Never!